0: I think that one aspect of middle-grade fiction that is truly unique and special to middle-grade fiction is that it's very much about a young person's experience of exploring the world and finding his or her or their place in that world.
1: Welcome to the Friends and Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. Four New York Times bestselling authors, one rock star librarian, and endless stories. Join Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry, along with Ron Block. As novelists, we are four longtime friends with 70 books between us.
2: And I am Ron Block. Please join us for fascinating author interviews and insider talk about publishing and writing. If you love books and are curious about the writing world, you are in the right place.
1: Welcome to another episode of Friends and Fiction Podcast. Today our conversation is what is middle grade fiction? I'm Mary Alice Monroe. And today I'm delighted to introduce to you two important players in middle grade fiction, as well as two people dear to my heart, my agent and my editor for my own middle grade fiction book, The Islanders. Allison Heller is senior editor at Aladdin Books at Simon & Schuster. Allison acquires picture books, chapter books, middle grade, but her heart is in contemporary middle grade. Allie particularly loves books with strong female protagonists and is actively looking for nonfiction projects as well for her list. Faye Bender is a partner at the Book Group Agency. Faye represents fiction for readers aged eight to adult. Her authors have won numerous awards and honors, have been finalists for the National Book Award, and have been number one New York Times bestsellers, New York Times Book Review Notable Books, and selected for Books of the Year. So pretty important players, as I said, in this business. So let's begin today's discussion by digging into what exactly is middle grade fiction. There's still a lot of confusion in the industry, as well as among parents who buy books, and they're the gatekeepers, so we want them to understand fully. What is middle grade fiction? What is a middle grade book?
3: And how do they differ from young adult books? Let's start with the editor, Allison. Okay. So, well, hello, everybody. Thank you for having me on here. I think one of the ways that I like to always view middle grade is exactly how a character views his or her or their world. So, for example, one thing that I like to say is if you walk into a restaurant, maybe a middle grade character will notice the really delicious sweets on the counter rather than maybe the cute boy or girl sitting at the counter. And I think Mm -hmm. just that viewpoint of how one looks at that lens of the world is certainly one way that we categorize middle grade on a more pragmatic, I guess, a specification scale. Usually the characters are either 8 to 12, 9 to 13. Usually that cutoff point is about 13. I have seen a few sneaky 14s though, I will say, um, but usually we cap it at about 13. And of course, you know, the way that the themes that we're trying to get across are certainly maybe more accessible. We don't you know, go as mature perhaps in language or how things are actually viewed on the page. Not to say that tough things aren't can't be explored, which I know we're gonna get into a little bit later, but again it's just how all of those are brought together on the page for our readers.
1: There's up till thirteen year olds.
3: <laughs> how about you,
1: Faye? What would you like to add to what is middle grade fiction? Well, I would add first, thank you for
0: having me on here. It's (laughs) fun to do this with you both. I think that one aspect of middle grade fiction that is truly unique and special to middle grade fiction is that it's very much about a young person's experience of exploring the world and finding his or her or their place in that world. And I think in young adult it's more about interacting with other people in that world. And it can be a little bit less interior, it can be a little bit less those deeply felt initial steps into the world.
1: Interesting, the interior versus my place in the general exterior world. That's interesting. Well, then let's discuss the difference between writing for an adult audience and younger readers. And that common misconception that writing for kids is easier, just a simpler story with simpler language. But obviously, that's not the case. And I think middle grade readers are some of the most discerning out there. Faye, can you start talking about that a little bit?
0: Absolutely. I think one of the great misconceptions is exactly what you just said, which is, you know, middle grade or even young adult books are shorter, they're simpler, there's less complex interaction, they're cleaner, they're, you know, rated PG or below. But those are, that's not accurate at all. And I think that as you said, middle grade readers are about the most discerning out there. And they if there is a flaw or a loophole or a gap in, you know, context or logic, they will find it, they will find those holes, and they will poke through them. And they will be very, very frustrating and disappointing to them. And the other thing I think middle grade readers are so attuned to is an author's voice. And so the the great middle grade books, like The Islanders, have an, a voice, the, nar- the narration feels like it's being told by a character who is 11 or 12 or 13, um, and not by an author. And I think when middle grade readers feel that authorial presence it really bothers them. And it they, they have this sort of ear to, to hear that in a way
1: that I think no other readers do. And what about you? How, what would you like to add to that, Allie?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the SOPA, and I'm sure all three of us can agree, you know, whenever I hear like, oh, so you don't work on, like, real books. I'm like, well, it's a real book to me, you know? So <laughs> oh I think that, yes, that mis... Like, when are you going to, like, you know, move up to adult books? And obviously, no disrespect, because obviously the adult world has some amazing literature, including all of yours, Mary Alice. But I think there is... It's hard in a different way, because I think we're trying to say a lot... Maybe sometimes, if you're looking even at picture books, you try to say a lot with only maybe 200 words, um, mm-hmm. which I think is a real testament to someone's wordplay and ability to storytell to be a storyteller. So I think the the misconception that um, you know books for a younger reader can't be as impactful is definitely a, a false statement, and certainly a soapbox. I think we can all stand on proudly and say we disagree with. Right, <laughs> it's a real book. Well, you know, Yes. Yeah, it's a real book. It's a real book. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Excuse me. I have to say, as someone who has written them all, yes. I mean, I've written yes. picture books, yes. too. Mm-hmm. Um, it is such another world. And, and I've really worked hard mm-hmm. to try to not only study middle grade, to, to dive into it, but to try and have an authentic voice. And it took time yeah. to totally. move from an older tone to that young boy
0: right it, exactly it's, it's exactly that's, that's what i was trying to say i think there mary alice you have mm-hmm. a lens you view the world as mary alice as an adult who's had a lot of experiences but when you're writing a book like the islanders you're writing from and through the lens of a character like macon or lovey where mm-hmm. or jake where mm-hmm. you know they're 12-year-old kids who have a very different experience of the world and who have a, a, a completely different way of uh, synthesizing
1: the stimulus around them. And I think there's a, a unique innocence and at the same time, savvy and courage with middle-grade kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, Like you said, they can sniff things out, you know, but even, <laughs> even when you're writing them and what they want to say they are brave with to a point where they sometimes don't understand all the dangers that are out there right Mm -hmm. and so they get into trouble but on the other hand that um that confidence is so beautiful to read and to write and to get it right so um i'd like to challenge anybody who says that it's easy to write Mm -hmm. to go ahead and try and do it because um (laughs) it is I have
3: to say, throw I throw that I, gauntlet I, down, yes.
1: <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm back in writing another one. And mm-hmm. I, I have to say that once you do it as an author mm-hmm. with the Islanders and this and the reception, you are so grateful mm-hmm. <laughs> that you made it, you know, and especially when a kid says he likes the books or yeah. she likes a book, that's high cotton. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of praise because yes. kids are honest. Yes. All yes. right. So uh, speaking of uh, writing for these kids, what excites you as an editor, Allie? So when a middle book, sure. a middle grade book crosses your desk you and you get a lot, yes. some are what turns you off and what turns you on?
3: Yeah, I mean, I feel like like anything art and the way the forms are, it's so subjective. But I think for me, I really look at the voice first if it's a character that i can really get stuck in with and you know that's why i think i love the islander so much is that you created mm-hmm. three characters you felt so authentic and so real and it's like i felt such empathy for all three of them in very different ways um i think that connection that immediate connection is something that really can sustain through the whole editing process and why i want to spend you know what will be years multiple years with these characters and in their stories and that for me is number one because i think you know everything else most of the time you can edit or work through you know if it's a plot hole or issue or even some bringing out a couple of characterizations that's certainly something you'd fix but i think that immediate connection to the voice that's something that you can't really edit away you know i think that's just something that comes through organically um, yeah. and that's where I think for myself and I'm sure for Faye as well for, you know, it's like, that's how we get excited about, about our books. And, you know, Faye, you, you
1: see the manuscript before Allie does. So do. Allie, you're getting the ones that <laughs> I already see the rude. <laughs> You've seen that. So okay. Like, Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Tell us, cause at your level, you're seeing it all. And yeah. so again, uh, Faye, at your level, when they first come in and people who think they can write for kids or whatever, what do you see that is, there, is your, are your, the alarms go off or the heartbeats goes faster?
0: For me, there. I mean, one of the things about your books, Mary Alice, both the adult and the middle grade that really speak to me so clearly is your sense of place. I think that the geographical, the setting, the the way the sand feels the way the wind, the breeze is the critters that are, you know, crawling around on the ground that the food that people are eating, it just everything about it is so tactile and so real. And I think that's something that comes through so clearly and, and immediately uh, really appeals to me. So I think there's some degree of, um, control over the narrative that I can feel in a way in books mm-hmm. that come across my desk that I that I feel compelled to work on and, and represent. Um, and then in, you know, in tandem with that, I think, an ability to tell a story that feels fresh and different and unique. And you know, nobody's writing a story that nobody's read before, right? I mean, these have <laughs> all in some, some <laughs> incarnation yes. they've all been out there. And um, but there's a degree of, of freshness where the, you know, whether it's the emotional terrain covered or the, the interaction between the characters or the setting, something that feels new and transformative. So for me, that's something that's very deep in the DNA of a book. And even though it can be a rough cut and there can be a <laughs> lot of, of editorial yes. work that needs to be done, even before it gets to Ali's desk, yeah. um, You know, it's there. It's there.
1: And what are the alarms when you when you see something you go, "Uh oh, no. mm -mm."
0: I think the alarm, the biggest alarm for me with middle grade is truthfully when uh, authors who are who are typically writing for adults decide they want to write. I mean, this goes back to what we just talked about, but they decide they want to write for kids because they have children they have grandchildren they have nieces or nephews or you know somebody in their lives who inspires them to to want to try this and they do it without enough research they do it without enough reading of you know what's out on the market now books that are published now are wildly different than books that were published you know I'm 47 and the books that I read as a, a middle school kid are are very different than the books yeah. that are published now for middle school kids. So Interesting. I think, you know, it just feels it feels pretty clear and transparent when it's a writer who hasn't put in the time to really assess the landscape now and and mm-hmm. um, think of, mm-hmm. of how to tell the story in a way that that makes it clear they trust their reader because I think adult writers for adults sometimes feel like they have to um, spell everything out and leave no stone unturned and make every point with a very fine pen. Right, thinking like, well, they're kids. How are they going to know the subject? How are they going to How are they going to figure out what's unsaid? But I think part of what's so magical about middle grade
1: books lies in what's unsaid. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I think that's that's I'm going to embroider on a pillow <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because that's trust. That's so true. It's true mm-hmm. for adults, but for kids, so mm-hmm. much. Is unsaid. Mm-hmm. How are you? Fine.
3: Right. <laughs> you know, exactly. You're not fine, right?
1: right. <laughs> you're so much more than fine.
3: <laughs> well, that's.
1: This is a great segue. Let's talk. For some of the listeners out there, will be um, hopefully wanting to write a book, and they're curious about what you all have to say. So let's talk about the process. Sure. Uh, Book goes through from submission to publication. So, obviously, we're going to start with Faye on this one. Can you talk about that first step, (laughs) the agent author process? What does someone do who has a book that they're interested in selling?
0: Yeah. And we can make this kind of hypothetical and about an author who's previously unpublished. So, you know, your situation, Mary Alice, is different. Our situation will be different. um, but, you know, the first step, if the avenue that the author wants to pursue is traditional publishing with the bigger publishers who are mostly in New York City, um, is to find an agent. And there are lots of agents who are very different in, you know, what our taste is, where our expertise lies, what our philo- you know, philosophy is about what the job entails. There are agents who just really are around to make the deals. There are agents who are around for every step in the process. There are agents at big, shiny agencies that, you know, are fancy. There are agents in like little boutique spaces that are clunky there. You know, there's just a whole range. And there's a ton of information out there about agents and interviews with agents and profiles of agents and, you know, websites for the agencies with client lists. And um, there's a great It's a paid website called Publishers Marketplace, which is relatively affordable. I think it's $25 a month, and it's incredibly uh, valuable and useful because I think people can join just for a month or two and then probably cancel their membership. So it's a a relatively minimal investment up front. But on that, there's a tremendous amount of research that can be done into different agents which you know what kinds of books they've done recently you can search under middle grade it's you under young adult you can search under non-fiction you can you know any any category
1: mm-hmm. and
0: kind of put together a list of agents so um finding once, the right one and mm-hmm. finding the right one Not and it really agent, it is, yeah. it's a little bit like a marriage i mean the we've you know, you know my kids' names, and I know yours, yeah. and dogs, and there's just there's a real intimacy to the relationship. So it's important to choose for authors to choose wisely. Um, and then I, you know, I do a ton of editorial work with authors on those rough cuts and try to help them get. Before you get interested. to that
1: step, they have to submit. They have to submit a query to you, right? So and then so, yeah. you decide whether or not you'll even entertain looking at the manuscript, because I'm sure thousands cross your desk.
0: Yes, that is hard. And, um, it's a terrible system. I don't know what the fix is, but it makes it very, there's a real barrier to entry, which Mm -hmm. is frustrating. There are some really great things like, um, you know, DV pit, there are these Mm -hmm. things, these, um, these things that happen on Twitter, which I'm not on, so I can't speak mm, very I'm much to sure it, but actually maybe yeah, can. But sure. where but but where you you know, authors can provide a pitch for their book and really? agents oh. and agents oh. find right, sort of go and look and read through it, and they're short pitches and agents are hungry for it. Yeah. there have been incredible voices that have come out of that.
3: Yeah, I'm just fascinated. Add, yeah, just add very briefly to Faye, Like usually, what they'll do is they'll go through because there's usually hashtag specific hashtags, so it's easy for both the writers and agents to go through. I know Faye, you mentioned DV Pit, which is great. There's so many beautiful debuts that have come out of that pitch contest. I know I've seen some specifically for graphic novelists, some specifically for like an Illustrator Day. Um, certainly, sci-fi fantasy. I've seen Pit Mad. There's quite a bit out there that is another that's new for me Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it's and it's great because it it levels the playing field a little bit Mm -hmm. where agents are there to look at you know so going in you know that it's an agent who is looking for a new client a new client and so it's an it's a little bit uh easier maybe to to make a connection that way than Mm -hmm. just sending cold queries which can be hard because there's no be way hard. of knowing
1: if that is looking for new clients or not. So um, then, to to continue on, they they you you find someone who you're interested in. They mm-hmm. submit, mm-hmm. and so you are now looking at this, thinking, what, who to send it to, or is it ready? Like, do you have eight editors in mind who might like this book?
0: Well, that's always it's interesting that you say that that's always one of my internal barometers for whether I might be a good agent for that particular author and book, as I'm reading, a couple things happen, I often get sort of like the tingly palm feeling where like, you know, it's a real physical manifestation of excitement. (laughs) And so that happens, and um, editors start to pop into my head unbidden, I'm not sort of thinking to myself, who would I send this to, they just kind of pop into my head, which is also a very good indicator, and then feeling like I really have a vision for how it could, you know, make its way in the marketplace, things I could do to help that path, things um, that I could also do editorially before the book gets sent out on submission. And, you know, if all of those things align, um, then, you know, I connect with the author. And then there also has to be that next step, which is a personal kind of simpatico, right, where you feel like we can enter this professional marriage, we can be partners to each other, we can take care of each other, we can communicate honestly, and openly, we can kind of give each other what we need for this to be a productive um, relationship. So all of those steps happen and then you know if if i end up taking author on i do that editorial work and it can take you know it can be one round that's relatively light if the book is in good shape it can be you know i've done as many as five or six rounds before sending something out um and then i put together a submission list, I come up with editors like Allie, and that is based I mean, one of the things about publishing that's so antiquated, but also so lovely is that it's so much a purse a business of personal relationships. So if I'm sending something out, and it's about sisters, and I know, oh, this editor is really close with her sister. And she'll she's gonna really, she's gonna love this. Those little things that make because responses to reading to fiction in particular are entirely subjective. And mm-hmm. so any little piece that can of the puzzle that can be kind of slotted into place helps and yeah. and can yeah. can lead to the positive reaction that that we all want from editors. So then once I have a list of editors to submit to, and it's typically you know anywhere between. 12 and 15 editors simultaneously, I send them I call everybody and I pitch it and I share my excitement, and my enthusiasm and um, try to get everybody as excited as they can be and then send it over which is much easier in the modern day with email than it used to be when I started and we had to send a photo, you know, photocopied maybe <laughs> by messenger to everyone. Yes. Um, and I send it to editors like Allie and
1: then, Allie, do you want to take over? And yeah. then, Allie, you get this much improved manuscript.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny. when I first started. I remember I, we would get. Um, I think it was Curtis Brown. Maybe they would send like a box. Yeah, with a manuscript. Have- yes, yes. <laughs> so I mean, would get oh, wow. like literally a box, which is now it's just email, time, which is fine. But I still remember those the boxes of manuscripts. So yeah, I feel <laughs> like similar, <laughs> similar to the You know, I think our lens of how we're looking at it is also marketplace in terms of where can it fit. I think it also goes almost micro to macro for me. So it's something that I personally connect with first. Um, And then where does it fit on the overall imprint list? And Mm -hmm. then also in the overall wider marketplace. So for example, this is a very rough example, but you know, lately, we have been getting a lot of um, graphic novel submissions, which is great. I think graphic novels are wonderful, Um, but because of that, obviously we want to be careful on how we balance both my list, the Aladdin list, and then what's coming out in the marketplace because you don't want to also oversaturate. You want to give each book its moment to breathe. So I think for me, in addition to, as Faye said, you know, she gets the tingly feelings in the fingers, I get that feeling in the stomach. I'm like, ooh, I just <laughs> get that little like, ooh, I feel like this is gonna be really good. You know, that like instinct of it. Um, and then it goes to more of the quote unquote business end of things of okay, but where could I can I actually get my sales and marketing team really excited about it? Would I be able to make sure that we can pitch it and differentiate it enough from all the other X ex- kind of books like this coming out when we would like to publish it. Um, and then just looking again at the overall list that we have within the imprint, like, you know, if we have, which we don't, which is great. Um, if we have a lot of books about turtles coming out in one <laughs> summer, um, you know, if I get in like the eighth turtle book, like, I don't know that maybe that's the best fit. Even if I love the voice, I think it's always, you always want to serve the book and the author first, even as much as you certainly have been submissions that I've really liked and loved, but know that for whatever reason, Maybe I'm not the best fit or maybe, you know, just from whatever, you know, whatever we have coming out on the line list, it might not be the best fit at the time. And that wouldn't eventually, it wouldn't serve the author or book ultimately. So it's hard. It's hard to say no, I think, because mm-hmm. we all love books and authors. And I think we're all champions of our books and we want to give them the best possible success and so much of publishing is not something we can control, even though I think we all wish we could just control certain parts of it. <laughs> um, so I think out the gate for both Faye and I, I to, we have to give it the best possible shot immediately because there's so many other factors that are unknown. Um, and that's how we kind of try to come at least on the editorial side to a decision on whether or not to take on a book for the list.
1: And once you make that decision, I, I do love this book and everyone's going to take mm. it. Then even though it might've been edited with the Which agent, now yes. it's your turn. It so is. Yeah. you have yes. your view. So there's a yeah. lot of editing and, and then your relationship yes. with yeah. your with your author.
3: Yeah. So I mean Mary asks, mm-hmm. you know, you and I have gone back and forth quite a bit, even though I know you had done a couple rounds previously, both with Faye and then the previous editor on the book, Fiona, I know we mm-hmm. still had a bunch of back and forth to really polish and shine it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part that I really do love and enjoy is like getting in. And that's another thing that I think about when I'm trying to acquire is do I, do I love it enough to want to spend like potentially three, four multiple drafts, multiple iterations of it? Will I get sick of it after reading it sure. so many times. And you know, when I know it's no, like I love reading every draft of your book. It's like, Oh, that's great. Like that's when, you know, it's that's done. the book for you <laughs> and you know, it's done. Um But yes, yeah, so, you know, after I acquire it, I think, I like to talk to the author about what's the vision of it. You know, my job is not, I'm, we're collaborative partners, you know, cause it's not my book. Ultimately, my job is to make the book the best that it can be for sure. Mm-hmm. And of course we're going to have things that I like to polish and shine and make sure it really come out a bit more maybe. But at the end of the day, my suggestions to an author are always just that, you know, cause if there's a roadmap and a better way that you can get to the solutions, I'm always for that. So I think once we once I acquire it and we dig in, yeah, I'd like to go through a couple of rounds and really make sure that any of the previous work foundation that you've done really just comes up to the top. I think we always like to use the house analogy of like. We all know when they come to our desk and when we acquire, there's already a really strong foundation. And then it's, you know, making sure all the details are right. All the, you know, if we want shiplap in there, if we want some nice curtains, <laughs> it's all there. I'm sorry, um, So, you know, that's that's, that's our that's job to really better, make it good. That's
0: a better analogy. I always use the, a body. Like we have a skeleton oh, and we have okay. clothes.
1: Yes, yes like I your, house, your house a little less gross. But you know, it does, <laughs> work make work. Work. it does make me think that when you're putting together the house or the body, whatever, yeah. Part of middle grade, and I'm just—I don't know if it's even in young adult—is the artwork. Mm-hmm. Now, I know. I think that's more important. Some art middle grade books have a lot of art, like this yes. Kid*. Mm-hmm. Um, we got more art. And by yeah. the way, nailed it. Can I Yay, just say, you're so great. great. Yeah. But um, I'm, let's let's talk about the art. Mm-hmm. When you, how important is it in middle grade? Is it even in young mm-hmm. adult? And Let's start there. I'll follow up with the other questions later, but the, let's talk about art in middle grade books.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think for us I mean, Alice and Allison for, for Islanders, we just thought it was natural because Jake has his journal and, you know, he takes his cues from that and he's, you know, kind of connecting with his dad in that way. So it's special on a lot of levels, which is why mm-hmm. I think Jen, Jennifer Brookings art brings so much to it, not just the cover art and the jacket art, but all the sketches that she did on the interior. And I think we definitely go case by case. I think most of the middle grade that I tend to acquire is not really illustrated. It is more straight prose. Certainly I've seen, like you said, there is like the Dork Diaries, Diary of a Wimpy Kid model, where it is heavily illustrated, not a graphic novel, but just heavily illustrated. Mm-hmm. We have things like Islanders, where you'll have what we call more spot art, where we're not necessarily showing the full illustrations because of that age. I think art can also be more of a compliment to maybe more emerging readers or reluctant readers where that helps kind of guide them in their reading experience. Yeah. Um, So I think as you get a little older, not that not everyone can appreciate art, but certainly the age, I think, also plays into it, what kind of target audience and what kind of message that may, might sell to a buyer or to the reader when you're actually going to market. Um, I think we see a lot more you know, as I've mentioned, like graphic novels coming in, which is a different kind of illustration different, process. Right. Very different, as right. so we've seen more of that. Um But in middle grade, I feel like I tend to really just see the straight prose. Sometimes we have, like I said, like the spot illustrations, um, but the more mm-hmm. fully illustrative art for me is more picture book, chapter book. Maybe sometimes if you have a on the cusp of chapter and early middle grade, there will be some heavier, more like spot mm-hmm. and full page illustrations. But I certainly love, you know, as as reader, I love seeing that. I think it, again, for a reluctant and emerging reader, it really can help break up text or just really complement and help help people visualize kind of what they're reading and bring them to that place. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of, in, and again, in the case of, of your book and with Jake, just seeing what he's really thinking in his mind, like bringing that interior to the exterior page. Thank you. And I, I think, th- this I think a
1: lot.
0: Yes. too, just to, just to add to that, I yes. think that with a book like The Islanders, that's so rooted in a place mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. a fair number of its readers won't have any real familiarity with. It does, the, mm. the, the, the spot art really goes such a long way in bringing that to life in mm. a way that I think is so, it's just so wonderful. So in addition to sort of seeing what's in Jake's mind, Um, I think it gives readers a real window into a place that is wild
1: and wonderful and very remote for so many of them. Mm -hmm. So it is a case by case basis is what I'm hearing. That makes sense. Um, Moving on to another area of middle grade that I think is really important is that middle grade champions really tough subjects. It's, it goes back to our original comment about it. it's not just a sweet, easier story. And in the case of the Islanders, you know, we had racial diversity, we had illness, depression, financial insecurity and shame. So, um, who wants to jump in first? What do you, can you talk about um, some of the big topics that are covered in middle grade, especially what's emerging today? And maybe even name a couple books that you think are good examples. I mean, I don't know if
0: this is, I'm in the right company to say this, but I had, when I first started working on books for young adult readers and middle grade readers, I had this great lunch meeting with, um, sadly, now the late David Gale, who was Mm -hmm. at Simon Schuster, and he was so lovely and kind and generous and willing to kind of teach me and uh, we had this very funny lunch where i asked him that question where i said what's off the table what you know are what topics are are too heavy or too dark for these categories and he said you know other than bestiality and necrophilia it's all fine.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's pretty broad. It's a very <laughs> David. <laughs> right. It's a very David. I love that. <laughs> <And> <laughs> your points well taken. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so I really think that there I mean there's very little that middle school readers are unable to process that I think they're exposed to so much in their day to day lives, I think they um, are aware of, you know, the world on fire around us. And I think any fiction that doesn't um, explore that to a certain degree is has a level of dishonesty. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think readers of in those ages and those categories which are obviously very different young adult is different and what's going to happen in a young adult novel is going to be very different than what's going to happen on the page in middle grade but i think that that really most all topics are on the table and i think that when treated with integrity and grace and care authors can really kind of go where they need to go with a particular story and with the
3: experiences that the characters in that story are having. Mm-hmm. And do you find that
1: tr- uh, true as well, Allie?
3: Yeah, I was saying, I mean, Summer to Faye, I feel like, you know, I was doing a librarian preview a few years ago, and one of the librarians mentioned that she felt like middle school was like the new high school in terms of where kids were, <sighs> how young they were, you know, not even experiencing things, but really. Now opening up and being able to talk about things that maybe in the past were a bit tougher. You know, I do remember, you know, even within my career still at SNS for some topics that I feel like now that we are much more open about talking about, um, feel like they're more, um, accepted by the gatekeepers more than they were maybe in like 07, 08. You know, just it feels like we've come a little bit further along in that way. And I, I and mm-hmm. same, you know, I think that, kids are not stupid. They are. It's funny. It's like, you know, tough stuff doesn't just start at the magical age of 14 or 15. It's like these kids are certainly dealing with a lot. It's just how they deal with it. Maybe that we have to do it a little bit differently, but I've certainly edited books where parents are dealing with drug addiction. A kid is dealing with, you know, a brother who has depression and has attempted to has attempted suicide. Um, kids who are, you know, even dealing with kind of friendship makeup or breakups, which really at that age can feel like in a YA equivalent of a romantic partnership breakup. So I think there's a lot of things that are being overturned in that middle grade world where we certainly shouldn't be scared to talk about it. And as, as Faye said, as long as they're dealt with, with integrity and grace and in a very authentic way, where it doesn't feel like we're giving kids like the handbook of like Here's how you're not going to do X, Y, Z. You know, I think those messages and those themes have been really, I've seen really embraced and really Mm can spark so many, I think, important conversations.
1: As the author, too, I have to say that the key for me when I read books and also what I'm sensitive to when I write them is that even though these kids are aware and they're brave, there's also an element of unsureness. Mm -hmm. and fear of the unknown and I think being sensitive to it's a wonder for the wonderful things and a little hesitancy when they're going into dark territory and this is all new for them so I think it's not that they can't face it it's how they approach it and as Mm -hmm. the author you have to be sensitive to they're not going to be smart and aware They're going to be more tender footed and maybe tender is the right Mm -hmm. word there. Mm -hmm. All right. Before we close, I'm curious. Why kids tell me what got you involved in children's (laughs) literature in the first place. Let's start Allie, Allie, and then Faye. So I have
3: to, it's kind of a, a little shameful secret of like, I originally actually wanted to go into adult publishing. I started, <laughs> I had uh, applied for the associates program at Simon & Schuster, which is a rotational program where you can kind of go into different departments to see where you might want to land in publishing. And when I went in there, their HR, you know, I had, I had said like my preference was to be an adult publishing and the HR person was like, actually, you know, we don't have anything right now in adult, but would you be open to children's? And I was like, I just would like a job, so sure, yes. Let's go for children's. And have <laughs> your honesty. Um, and it's so funny because obviously growing up I had so many like beloved books and but I just I don't know if I maybe I played into the whole awful stereotype that I loathe now of, you know, adult publishing feels shiny and exciting. And so I landed in children's and I'm so happy that I landed there because I feel like Again, with all respect, because I think adult books can also change lives, but I really do feel like the right book with the right kid can really change a kid's life and their trajectory. Mm -hmm. And I think when the going gets tough, because our business is both a beauty and a beast, I think in many ways, that's what keeps me going is knowing that these books truly can have such an impact. I mean, I get through my beautiful authors, they send notes from readers that say how, you know, oh, this book like made me feel less alone or for the first time I actually saw myself in a book and I didn't feel like I was the only one going through X, Y, Z. It truly for me like makes such an impact and like oh yes, it's something where again, like I think we are truly, all of us here on this call are truly changing lives as kind of grand as that sounds. I really do believe in that. And that's why, I love working in children's publishing so
1: much. Oh, that's beautiful. I had a heart moment there. (laughs) I know. That was such a good answer. How about you, Faye? Well, you do kids and adults, but why kids? I do.
0: I do. I work in both. I love both. I find that I can very easily channel the... You know, 17 year old, 15 year old, 12 year old, 10 year old me. And I can remember what it was like to read then. And I can remember, you know, Mary Alice, what you were saying earlier the kind of confidence and open heartedness and optimism that comes with being younger. And I think there's something so special about that that cannot be replicated. As an adult or for adults in a way. And I find too that there's a wonderful connection between reader and author on the children's side that doesn't happen on the adult side, mm-hmm. which is partly, I mean, that might change as as you know, kids now get older. But there's a real, you know, if I read a, a book that I love it doesn't occur to me really at any level to do a deeper dive and find the author's social media and send him or her or them a note or you know ask for further information about the book. But now I think kids really do that yeah. and they send you know I'll have these emails for authors I represent that are like, hey. I have a book report due on Tuesday, and I have these 17 questions <laughs> that I'd really like answers to. <laughs> so, you know, book yes. have, there's just this wonderful, I mean, it's just a wonderful thing that kids have that connection, both to the books they read and the authors who write them. And it's just a joy so to be a part of that. Mm-hmm.
1: I have to say, I, for the Islanders, too, I've been receiving a number of letters. I didn't know you wanted the letters. You will be getting the letters from people who say they think they, they, they are, and they're either lovey or the yeah. oh, so are Jake. That's great. I'm convinced I told it's their so story. Wonderful. And that is, it's like, it's a freshness. Well, yeah. I'm so delighted. We covered a lot of ground. You could talk for another hour, and maybe yes. we'll have to do this again. But I yes. want to thank Allison Heller from Aladdin Books at Simon & Schuster and Faye Bender from the book group and we today we talked about what is middle grade fiction and why is it so wonderful thank you both so much thank, thank you, you for you. having us bye. bye
2: remember you can always find all the books by every friends and fiction writer's block podcast guest past and present in the friends and fiction bookshop.org shop All sales placed there help to fund Friends in Fiction and a portion of each and every sale goes straight into the pockets of indie booksellers nationwide. Since its inception, Bookshop.org has raised more than $16 for indie bookstores. Shop small, shop local, from the convenience of your screen with Bookshop.org and tell them Friends in Fiction sent you. Thank you for tuning in to the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Tune in every Friday for another episode.
1: And you can also join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live Friends and Fiction show airs at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We
3: are so glad you're here.
0: Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.